Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Good morning, everybody. As we continue in our 40 days of prayer, and we're looking to God for fulfillment of his promises to us, in terms of whether that's health, salvation, financial blessing, or anything else that we're reaching to God for, I believe it's time for us to go to war with the word. And I'm going to take us through some examples this morning and talk a bit about what I believe that means. But, you know, when we get saved, there can be a tendency in which it's come to Jesus and everything will be wonderful. But you know what he said? He said, in this world, you'll have trouble. And then in Revelation, it talks about those who overcome. You think, great, I'm called to overcome. Yeah, but to overcome, you have to overcome something. You have to face some trials and some challenges. You have to face some issues. And so we need at the very beginning to be realized that, you know, this isn't going to be plain sailing in life. And that's not me putting a black downer on it, trying to paint a black picture for you, because the good news is we will overcome. The good news is we are going to be victorious. We're not like the spies who went into the land and we came back and we said, oh, you know, we look like grasshoppers in their sight. No, we're the two that look and we see, yes, we can see all the obstacles, but God has said, therefore, we can go in and possess the land. That's where we are this morning. We are those who know what God has said about us. See, the Bible also says that the weapons of our warfare are powerful to the pulling down of strongholds. So yes, we're in a battle, but we've got some weapons. And it's time this morning for us to look at what those weapons are and how do we use them. And I want to focus on one weapon this morning, which is the word. And I want to take you to Ephesians 6, if you'll turn there with me, please. Ephesians 6 and verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and having done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Put on the full armour of God. But you know, there's only one part of that armor that's an offensive weapon. And if you're going to advance and take ground from somebody, you need to be on the offensive. It's great that we've got the shield of faith, which we can extinguish all the flaming arrows. And yes, we can hold things up and we can protect ourselves from whatever comes at us. 
But God wants us to advance. God wants us to take ground. God wants us to have victories. And therefore, we need to learn how to deal with this sword of the Spirit. The word there used for the word of God is not the logos. It's not this. It's the rhema word. It's the now word. The word that God speaks directly into your heart. Yes, it may come from here, and I hope it does. But this is not the full extent of what God says when he talks about the sword of the Spirit, because the sword is sharp. God's going to take something from here and put it in your hand and say, now you've got a really sharp word. I've taken the bit that you need and I've given it to you. I've quickened faith with you. It may be that that word's been confirmed by a prophetic word. But whatever it is, we need to have that rhema word. We need to have the word that is the now word for our situation. This is full of great and precious promises. We know that. But when I face a particular issue, I need a word for that issue. If I'm facing a health issue, it doesn't help me that God has showered financial blessing on me. I need to know that by his stripes I was healed. I need a now word that speaks directly to what I'm facing and dealing with. And that's what God talks about when he talks about the sword of the Spirit. That Rima word literally means that which or has been uttered by the living voice. Any sound produced by the voice and have, having definite meaning. Wow. The Rima word is the sound produced by the voice and having definite meaning. God's going to say something that's definite for us. God's going to say something that's clear. It also means a series of words joined together into a sentence. A declaration of one's mind made in words. The Rima word is a declaration of God's mind made in words. So the next time you pick your Bible up and you speak, God begins to speak to you a Rima word. It's exactly the same as if you were stood in heaven before the throne and a declaration is going out from the king. God's issuing a decree and a command. That's what a Rima word is. It's a command from the throne of heaven. It's a declaration from the throne of heaven. And if we can appreciate that and realize that, it will change the way we handle that word. When we realize that this isn't just something nice that I've read, but revelation has jumped into my heart, and it's a command from the throne of heaven. God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, has made a declaration into your life and my life concerning our health. And he said, by his stripes, you were healed. He's made a declaration concerning our finances. He says, if you'll bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing until there's no more need. That's a Rima word. That's a word which we can embrace. And every situation we find ourselves in, God has a Rima word. God has a declaration of his intent that we need to grab hold of. And then we need to know how to use it. See, having a sword is great if you're in a battle. But you have to do something with it. 
for it to be effective. If you just leave it in its sheath in your side, I don't think you're going to advance very far. You have to know how to deal with the word that's coming and what you're going to do with it. See, Paul said this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1 verse 18. Timothy, my son, I give you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them you might fight the battle well. Or another translation says, you may wage war in accordance with them, or that by them you may wage good warfare. Paul's saying to Timothy, you've had word over you. You've had ream a word about you and your life and what you're going to achieve. Now he says, wage war with them. Here's something now that you can take hold of and you can use. You can take this word and you can use it to wage good warfare. You can take hold of it and you can wield it like a sword to give you an advance. He actually says, by recalling them, you can fight the battle well. Do you know, we think recalling means bring back to memory. But let's just look at what that word actually is. It's to recall. So when you call something, you call it forth. When you recall it, you do it again. And what Paul's saying to Timothy is, just keep calling. Just keep calling the prophetic word. Because you know what? God calls things that are not as though they were. So when we face a situation and we look and we say, I don't yet see it, it's time to call the word again. So if I need health, the word says, by his stripes, and I call again the word. I recall the prophetic word. If it says I'm going to prosper in an area, I recall again and I speak it out. Why are we so fearful of speaking out the word of God over our own lives? over our own situations. It's time for us to begin to unleash unleash the power of the word by recalling the things that God says about us. And that's not in here. That's with this. It's time to charge the air with faith. It's time to change the atmosphere as we wave a sword around and we say, God says I'm more than a conqueror. God says that I will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And I'm going to testify to the grace of God. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, well, I did that. Do you know, I really did do that. And I didn't see it happen. Or I did it once and then I felt deflated because nothing changed. And I might have done it twice, but, you know... I've just found that there are times when I bring the word and it doesn't work for me. Well, I want to say something about war and battles. They're not over in a minute like we think. A couple of times now I've done support driving for Tim and David and one or two others who've done the London to Paris bike ride. And... I hadn't really understood very much about the First and Second World War until we stopped at the war memorials along the way. And there's a place called Vimy Ridge where 
a phenomenal amount of Canadians died trying to take this ridge. I don't know about you, but when, I, when I've watched the war films, there's often a battle that goes on, and it all seems to be over in less than 24 hours and the victory's sorted. Vimy Ridge took the Canadians four days to go up a hill, one hill, four days. Huge loss of life. They couldn't give up after the first day when they'd made a bit of impact. They had to keep going. They had to keep pressing on. And then from there we went to a place called Thietval, which is just down the hill from there. And in there they have a big display about the war and tells you exactly what happened. And I hadn't appreciated how long the First World War actually went on for. I don't know why, maybe I'm just a bit stupid because, you know, we know it was 1480, you know, come on. But when I actually saw what was happening and how the army advanced and then were pushed back, and it said as they marched back, they were marching over their dead colleagues and horses that had been slaughtered. And then they would advance again and press a bit further this time. And there was this back and forth going on, and it went on for years. Now, I'm not suggesting that all of your battles are going to go on for years. But equally, I think we have to wake up to the fact that there are times when we're going to be in a, we're going to have to push through. We're going to have to keep going. The Bible says this. It says, those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. If we think everything's going to be over in a day, every time we encounter an issue, we're going to be sadly mistaken. But if we know that ultimately we're going to be victorious and we're going to press through until we see the full effect of what we want, then we go into the battle armed with that knowledge that I'm going to win. This may take me some time, but I'm going to win. This may take me a few weeks, a few months, whatever, but I'm not going to give up because a declaration has gone forth in heaven and I now hold a word which I can wage war with and say I'm going to keep recalling it until I see what happens. So I'd like us to go to Judges. If you go to Judges chapter 20, there's a, a really good illustration of this in the Old Testament. And when I first read this story, I have to confess, I was perplexed by the end of it, reading through Judges 20. I just couldn't understand why this had happened. But then I came to realize that just because we have a word doesn't mean to say we aren't going to suffer setback. Just because we have a word doesn't mean to say that we're going to see everything immediately. But what it does mean is that in the end, in the end, we will be victorious. And what we have to do is to not question the word, but to stick with it. Judges 20 is a passage where it starts with a horrible account of what's happened in a village. 
And Israel decide they're going to do something about this. And if we pick it up at verse 8, it says, All the men rose up together as one, saying, None of us will go home. Not one of us will return to his house. But now this is what we'll do to Gibeah. We'll go up against it in the order decided by casting lots. We'll take ten men of every, out of every hundred from all the tribes of Israel, a hundred from a thousand, a thousand from ten thousand, to get provisions for the army. Then when the army arrives at Gibeah in Benjamin, it can give them what they deserve for this outrageous act done in Israel. So all the Israelites got together were united as one against the city. The tribes of Israel sent messengers throughout the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What about this awful crime that was committed among you? Now turn those wicked men of Gibeah over to us, so that we may put them to death and purge the evil from Israel. But the Benjaminites would not listen to their fellow Israelites. From their towns they came together at Gibeah to fight against the Israelites. At once the Benjaminites mobilized 26,000 swordsmen from their towns, in addition to 700 able young men from those living in Gibeah. Among all these soldiers there were 700 select troops who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a hare and not miss. Israel, apart from Benjamin, mustered 400,000 swordsmen, all of them fit for battle. The Israelites went up to Bethel and inquired of God. They said, who is to go up first to fight against the Benjaminites? The Lord replied, Judah shall go first. The next morning the Israelites got up and pitched camp near Gibeah. The Israelites went out to fight the Benjaminites and took up battle positions against them at Gibeah. The Benjaminites came out and cut down 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day. Wow. We're here to do what we believe is right. We've asked God and God said, go up. And 22,000 of us have been slaughtered. But then listen to what they do. But the Israelites encouraged one another and took, again took up their positions where they had stationed themselves the first day. The Israelites went up and wept before the Lord and they inquired of the Lord saying, shall we go up again to fight against the Benjaminites? The Lord answered, go up against them. The Israelites drew near to Benjamin the second day. This time, when the Benjaminites came out from Gibeah to oppose them, they cut down another 18,000 Israelites, a whole of, all of them armed with swords. Then all the Israelites, the whole army, went up to Bethel. There they sat weeping before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening and presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. And the Israelites inquired of the Lord. In those days, the Ark of the Covenant was there with Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, ministering before it. They asked, shall we go up again to fight against the Benjaminites, our fellow Israelites or not? And the Lord responded, go, for tomorrow I will give them into your hands. Then Israel set an ambush around Gibeah. They went up against the Benjaminites on the third day and took up positions against Gibeah as they'd done before. The Benjaminites came out to meet them and were drawn away from the city. They began to inflict casualties on the Israelites before, so that about 30 men fell in the open field. While the Benjaminites were saying, we defeated them as before, the Israelites saying, let's retreat and draw them away from the city to the roads. 
all of the men of Israel moved from their positions and took up positions at Baal Tamar. And the Israelite ambush charged out of its place on the west of Gibeah. Then 10,000 of Israel's able young men made a frontal attack on Gibeah. The fighting was so heavy that the Benjaminites did not realise how near disaster was. The Lord defeated Benjamin for Israel on that day, and the Israelites struck down 25,100 Benjaminites, all armed with swords. Then the Benjaminites saw they were beaten. Now the men of Israel had given way before Benjamin because they had relied on the ambush set near Gibeah. Those who had been in the ambush made a sudden dash into Gibeah, spread out and put the whole city to the sword. The Israelites had arranged with the ambush that they would send a great cloud of smoke from the city and the Israelites would counterattack. The Benjaminites had begun to inflict casualty on Israel, about 30, and they said, we're defeating them as in the first battle. But when the column of smoke began to arise from the city, the Benjamites turned and saw the whole city going up in smoke. Then the Israelites counterattacked, and the Benjamites were terrified because they realised that disaster had come on them. So they fled before the Israelites in the direction of the wilderness, but they could not escape the battle. And the Israelites who came out of the town cut them down there. They surrounded the Benjamites, chased them, and easily overran them in the vicinity of Gibeah on the east. 18,000 Benjamites fell, all of them valiant fighters, as they turned and fled towards the wilderness to the rock of Rimmon. The Israelites cut down 5,000 men along the roads. They kept pressing after the Benjamites as far as Giddam and struck down 2,000 more. On that day, 25,000 Benjaminite swordsmen, all of them valiant fighters, fell. But 600 of them turned and fled into the wilderness, the rock of Rimmon, where they stayed for four months. The men of Israel went to Benjamin and put all the towns to the sword, including the animals and everything they found. All the towns they came across, they set on fire. It's a terrible situation that they find themselves in. A terrible thing has happened. But they're determined to bring about God's justice. They're determined to bring the Benjamites to account for what's happened. And they go before God and they say, shall we go up? And God says, yes, go up. And they go up and you might think, well, God's told them to go, so they're bound to get success. But the first day they get defeated. But he says they encourage themselves and they took their stations again. And they come and they cry before God and they say, Lord, shall we go up? And he says, go up a second day. Oh, well, this is it. Obviously the first day, don't know what happened, but... You know, Day two, we're bound to succeed now. God's told us to go again. And they go again. And again they suffer defeat. Not as bad as the first day, but they still suffer defeat. And they come away and they cry on God and they fast and they pray and say, Lord, shall we go up? And he says, go, because I'll give them into your hands. And the third day they go and they're successful. So successful that they completely rout Benjamin. They destroy everything, they destroy the towns, the cities. They weren't deflected on the first or second day with the, with the defeat that they suffered. Because what they said was, God's told us to go. God's told us to go. When you have a word and you pray and you feel, actually, you know what? I think Ruth... Favor mentioned this the other week, you know, sometimes when we pray and it seems to get worse. Do you know why that is? 
because we're in a battle. And one of the things that your enemy will tell you is, you're not really going to win. You're not really going to overcome. Because that's what he said to Eve. Has God really said? And that's what he'd like to say to us. When we take that sword of the Spirit and we begin to wield the word and we call out things that God said are going to be and we don't immediately see it. In fact, initially it starts to get worse. We'll say, he'll say to you, yeah, you see, God didn't really promise you that. Did God really say? Did God say it for you? Yes, well, I can, you know, I can see it in the word, but did God say it for you? We need to have a ream of word, which we say, do you know what? I might have suffered a bit of a setback, and it might look like it's not going my way. But God has said. His word is settled in heaven, and therefore I'm going to press on. I'm not going to let the things that happen to me deter me from pressing through. The children of Israel were not about to go home on the end of day one. They said, we stationed ourselves as before and we encouraged ourselves. Do you know one of the best things you can do when you're in a battle is to get somebody alongside you who will encourage you. That's why we need to be in a body. Because you're not fighting your battles alone. When you face your challenges and you take hold of the word, God's called you to overcome. But he's also called you to overcome in a collective environment. That's why at the start of 40 days, the word that came was about a corporate voice being raised. It's time for a corporate voice to be heard in heaven. That we're standing side by side. It says, share one another's burdens. It's time for us to not only take hold of the word for ourselves, but to take hold of the word for other people. It may be this morning that you say, well, I'm not really facing any challenges in my life right now. Well, that's great. That's absolutely wonderful. You can have some of mine. You can stand with me and face the things that I'm facing. Because do you know what? When you come to face your challenges, I'll be there to stand with you. When the children of Israel went up, it wasn't about one tribe going to deal with the issue. They all went together. The nation came. Yes, they asked God who should go first, but they didn't say, who's going to sort this out? Because they knew who was going to sort it out. They were all going to sort it out. They all had to be involved. They all had to take the word. They all had to press through. And I believe there are some situations that we're facing right now that you need us to stand with you. What am I saying? That you can't do it on your own? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. God put you in a body so that we can stand with you. That we can join our faith with your faith. And sometimes I think God gives us challenges which we need somebody else to stand with us to force us to give up our independence. Most of us are extremely independent and self-sufficient, thank you very much. 
That's our natural disposition. The natural disposition of heaven is to say, I am so codependent on everybody else. I'm not going to be able to make it unless we make it together. I'm not going to be able to go all the way that God wants me to go unless I do it with the help of others. The body is built up by that which each joint supplies. If the whole was a head, where would the rest of it be? You read through that passage, if the whole was hearing, where would the seeing be? We need each other. And we need each other in the battle. In 1 Timothy 18, which we read where Paul is encouraging Timothy about the prophecies that have been spoken over him, he's literally telling him, not only to remind himself, but to recall it, to speak out into the heavenlies. And I believe there are more occasions needed when we need to begin to speak things out. Do you know, we're really quiet sometimes when we come and bring our tithes and offerings. But I know there are people who are pressing into God for financial provision. And this is your Rima word. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And test me in this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing until there's no more need. So as I come to the basket, I should be saying, Thank you, God. I'm believing for the windows of heaven to open. Is that proud? No, that's making a declaration into the heavenlies. That's saying, this is what I'm doing, Lord. You've said, test me. Thank you, God, I'm bringing an offering because you've said, as I sow, so shall I reap. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. There's thanksgiving in it. But there's also a declaration. There's a recalling. You know, if God wanted us not to challenge him on things, he wouldn't give you the opportunity. But he says, test me. Test me and see. Why? There's a principle, there's a law that's established. And God says, if you do this, this is going to happen. So as we come to the offering, let me encourage you. Be vocal. Be vocal as you come to the basket. If you're husband and wife and you're bringing an offering, bring it together. Join your faith together as you're coming. You need to start to exercise this in recalling, calling back what God's already said. Oh, and you need to bring the tithe as well if you're going to uh, call upon God for the fulfillment of the word. There's always things that we have to do but we need to call the word. We need to learn to use that sword. There's a very dear friend of mine in here, and I won't name him, but he once was going through a situation where he said the financial provision wasn't what he needed from the work that he had. He was self-employed, and he wasn't getting as much work as he wanted. And he said... 
I then read the word, and it says, as a man sows, so shall he reap. And he said, I determined there and then that I was going to give more. So the next Sunday, he put more in the offering. Do you know what happened that week? He had more work. As he sowed, he reaped. And he began to profess the word over his finances. As I sow, so shall I reap. And he gave his way out of financial need. How does that work? Well, that's because we're working by heavenly principles. God doesn't, God's ways are not our ways. But what we need is we need to ream a word. As he opened his word, he saw that it said, as a man sows, so shall he reap. Faith rose in his heart. And then he began to call and to act in accordance with the word. You see, we are, we are in a battle. Because there is one who came to give life, and there is one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he would love to dispossess you of what's rightfully yours. But therefore, we need to understand that we need sometimes to fight for what's ours, with the word. If you're in a situation where you don't have a word, then I want to encourage you to get a word. We um, have interest in two care homes. One's in North Wales and one's in Eastwood in Nottinghamshire. And the one in North Wales, probably going back about five years or more now, we had a manager there who really wasn't coping well with the regulations and the rules and he'd come from adult learning disability rather than elderly residential care. And eventually he left and at the point at which he left we noticed occupancy started, had already started to go down and continued to go down. Tried to find new managers, back and forth, couldn't do it. The, this went on for about 12 to 18 months. And at the end of this period of time, we've had serious financial issues in the home because really low occupancy. And we're at a point now where we need to do something, and we need to do something quickly. We've been praying for the whole process, asking God. Nothing's changed. Well, it did change. It got slightly worse. Um, and just, just to give you a bit of an indicator, by this point, we've had to pump just over £100,000 in to keep this place open. Now, I want to say something about that because God was faithful. There was no way in the natural did I have that amount of money to stick into this project. But God provided. But God was also teaching me something. Because then we came to a point where we have to do something now. So I looked at the natural options. What are my options? Well, I could look to redevelop the place. Planning was going to restrict that. That wasn't going to work. I could close it, just about get out with the shirt on your back, but that was about it if you closed it. Or I somehow had to find a way to keep going. Now, I believe God spoke very clearly to me, and he said, this boat's going over to the other side. 
And that's fine. Now, I'm in this position where I have a word, but I still needed some more detail. I can wage war with that. God says, I'm going over to the other side. This boat's not sinking. So I asked some people who were close to me to wait on God. I said, I need you to tell me what the word of the Lord is. And my father, faithful man that he is, came back and said, the manager's the key, and God's going to give you a new manager, and you're not to close it. And we began to pray. And I must admit, we felt a bit like um, the disciples in the boat, because we'd gone to every agency, we'd been on Indeed, we've fished all night and we've caught nothing. But at your word, Lord. So we stuck another advert on Indeed. And a lady from Cambridgeshire applied. And um, I said, what do you want to do going from Cambridgeshire to North Wales? Well, she said, I I really can't. I I need a fresh start. She said, but all I can tell you is, your advert, I was really drawn to it. I I couldn't explain why I was just drawn to your advert. And as I left, I said to people with me, I said, that's God. God drew her. God knew she was the one. Now, she had a fresh start. She gave it nine months. She completely turned it around in the first six months. Got it back to full occupancy. And then having done what God needed to do, we then found a manager up in North Wales. And she said, I think it's time for me to go back to Cambridgeshire. But God will send you what you need at the time that you need it if you'll wage war with the word. I had to go and ask my dad to stand with me and one or two others said, I just need a word. There's no place for self-sufficiency in the body of Christ. When you're in that point, you need a word. You need people to stand with you who'll be clear and bring in the word. And I'm laboring this point because I believe there are people in here this morning who are facing issues and you don't have a Rima word. Yes, I know that what the word says, but does it really apply to me? Yes, I know what God says about all these other situations, but my circumstances seem really different. I'm not sure God's speaking. God's got a word for you. God's got a Rima word for you that you can wage war with, that you can see victory through. You need to get with people, whether it's the elders... Or me, you come and ask us, and you say, I need a word from God. I need a word from God. Do not go back out there this morning facing issues and situations that you don't know what God said about them. Because in these 40 days, what we need to do is to go to war with the word as a corporate man. We need to stand together and see success. See, Ephesians 6 verse 18 told us to keep on praying. Pray at all times. Just because you've prayed once doesn't mean that's the end of it. It's like I said in the encouragement this week on the website. You have to press through. Elijah was a man like us and he prayed that it would not rain. How many times did he send the servant? I would love to have been there. I would love to have been there to see this man of God bow down with his head between his knees. He wasn't about to shift until he saw what God had promised him. He had a word. And he said, it's going to rain. But I'm going to keep praying until it, 
I see the cloud the size of the man's hand. And then I'm going to run as fast as I can down to the city. But he was there, and he wasn't about to move. Do you know, I honestly believe if that servant had come back the seventh time and said, I still don't see it, he'd have sent him back again. Yeah. And again, and again, and again. Because he knew there was going to come a moment when that cloud the size of the man's hand was going to appear because he had a word. He had a word. Here was the man who spoke God's word. And he said, but by my word. Was he being arrogant? Or was he actually saying, I've heard a declaration in the heavenly realms. I was standing before the throne and I heard God say, and therefore I now have confidence to say, it shall not rain. We have to come to the place where we are so confident in the word of God in us, so confident that we're willing not only just to recall it, but to call it and say, I know this is going to happen. I know this is going to happen. Therefore, I call forth. You say, Andrew, why, why do you think God does these things? Why, why wouldn't it just be nice just to get saved? And then we can all just, you know, drift on into heaven and have a lovely time. <laughs> James tells me why. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I seriously struggle with some of his phraseology. Because in James 1, he says this, he says, Consider it pure joy. <laughs> when you have a bit of a setback. No, when you encounter various kinds of trials and tribulations. There are times when you sort of think, well, I'm challenged here. Okay, you know, that's fine. One, one issue, I can deal with that. And then you're challenged over here. Oh, and then I'm challenged over here. But you know what? God knows how much challenging you can take. God knows how many of those various kinds of trials and tribulations you can have. But he's working something in us. That's what James says. He's working something in us. He doesn't want a load of mamby-pamby Christians who don't know how to push through. He doesn't want a load of mamby-pamby Christians who if they don't get it on the first time they ask, they back off. He wants those who overcome. He wants those who are victorious. He wants those who can take hold of that sword and say, I'm going to keep bringing this word again and again and again until I see it come to pass. I could tell you all the things that go on in my life that challenge me. But the only reason I'm, I want you to understand this is I think sometimes people look at me when I bring the prophetic word and they go, well, it's fine for you, Andrew. I'm in a battle, just like you're in a battle. But I'm overcoming by the word that I'm going to wield. And it is various kinds of trials. And I have to come back to the words that God has spoken over me. When I was baptized when I was six years old, somebody brought me a word from Psalm 1. And it talks about the man who meditates on the word of the Lord day and night. And then it's a little phrase in there and it says, 
Everything he puts his hand to prospers. I've been in situations when I've had to go, well, what you've said, Lord, isn't lining up with what I'm seeing. This particular business is not prospering right now. But then I come back to him and I say, therefore I call in the prosperity of God because your word says that everything I put my hand to will prosper, providing I'm in your word. Providing I'm in your word. I have to fulfill the condition, but then I can go to war. I'm really excited about what God is doing amongst us. I really believe we're on the edge of some serious breakthroughs. But it's going to come as we take hold of these words. As we collectively stand and say, I'm going to use the word. I'm going to use the word. I'm going to call in. Because the great thing is, God has a ream of word for each of us. For every situation. This is not... How many of you remember the old-fashioned promise boxes that you used to lift the lid and you have a pair of tweezers and you'd, you'd pull a promise out and you'd open it and read it? That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you're in this and as you open the page, the Holy Spirit quickens faith to you from the word that's here and suddenly it becomes a ream of word or you're talking to somebody and... They bring you the word of the Lord. They may not even know they're bringing you the word of the Lord. They're just sharing and encouraging you and suddenly you say, that's a word for me. That's what God's saying about my situation. God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. He's given everything that we need to overcome. And it's time for us to have a fresh offensive with the word. It's time for us to tackle head-on the things that we're facing. Not to be deterred by any setback we may face. Not to stop saying it, because it seems that when we say it, things get worse. Because we're going through. We're going over. We are not those who are going to fail. We are not those who are going to be defeated. Because our God has given us a word and his word is settled in heaven and we're going to wage war with that word we're going to lay hold of it and keep laying hold of it until we see it come to pass I don't know what you're taking away from this morning but if you haven't got a Rima word you need to get a Rima word if you need somebody to stand with you you need to talk to people Because this is a day for the corporate man. This is a day for us to stand together, shoulder to shoulder. And maybe you've had a word that you tried it once and you've become disillusioned, disappointed because it didn't happen on the first time of pressing or the second or the third. Kindle afresh the flame, will you? Allow God to blow on the embers Fan into flame the gift that is within you, Paul said to Timothy. What was he talking about? The prophetic word. The prophetic word that needs to come out of our mouths. Do you know one of the hardest things we find is to prophesy over ourselves? We have no problem getting a word for somebody else. 
but it's time to prophesy over ourselves, over our own situations with that Rima word. When I look here, I see an army. Terrible with banners. Swords in their hand, ready to go on the offensive. What do you see? Because as a man thinks within himself, so he is. It's time we realize we're in an army. God's given us the full armor. And most importantly, he's given us the sword of the spirit that we can go on the offensive. If you need that Rima word this morning, don't, please don't leave before you've come and spoken to somebody. Or if you need someone to stand with you. It's time for us to go on the offensive, brothers and sisters. It's time for us to take ground. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.